Hey, Jake. <laughs> Welcome to Bears Nation Podcast. It is Wednesday, and we are here for another edition of Bears Nation Podcast. And, you know, here's the thing about this point in the season, in the offseason. There's not a whole lot that goes on. You know, you got the mini camp, and then you got the rookies, and, you know, we still got, what, three weeks until mandatory training camp officially? So we I believe. I don't, why have we not got a schedule? Weeks, I don't understand. Three weeks like that, something like that. It's coming up. Um, but we're here, and we're going to talk about some stuff that's been, you know, uh, a lot of places doing their positional rankings and so on and so forth, so we'll break those down. Kevin has a tidbit that he texted me he found. Um, <clears throat> but first things first, some housekeeping stuff. Um, this is the second week in a row. You may have noticed that Chris Nano is not here. He has decided to walk away from the podcast officially. Um, came back for a little bit. Just was his decision. You know, again, best of luck to Chris. Um, you know, our friend Shane Reardon was on the pod last week, so didn't really have a chance to go into it. But Chris, we wish you nothing but the best. And we're always here. You know, me and Kevin will hold down the fort and keep it moving and grooving. So there's that. Um, Kevin, I mean, let's get into it. Bears Nation podcast. June 30th. I almost said July. Um, but you said you found something in your copious amounts of research prior to the Kevin was hitting the books. <laughs> Kevin was combing through the data and finding us something to talk about. So Kevin, what did you find? Yeah. So I sat down, you know, every once in a while I'll, I'll sit down and I'll do like a whole lot of extensive research. I do research before every show, but sometimes I really want to dive deep into something and see what's there from an analytical standpoint. Cause there's always, you know, the numbers don't lie. The stats never lie. That's the phrase. Right. Uh, and sometimes you take a look at, at, at these statistics that the average person doesn't look at and they kind of pop out at you. The thing we're talking about right now is this conversation. The reason why wait, I want to bring wait, it up. Wait, wait, the Christmas lights are gone. They're gone. Look, wait. I couldn't handle the heat, Jake. I couldn't handle the heat. They're, they're gone. They're gone. No, like, I, uh, like physical heat or you couldn't handle Shane making no, fun of you. No, I couldn't handle you and Shane making fun of me. No. <laughs> I, I forgot to put them up, actually. Uh, I think my parents had a party, so I think they, they took them off and, you know, did whatever with them. So I don't know where they're at. Seems like that'd but, be a perfect opportunity to keep those up. Anyway, continue. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you were the one roasting them. So, and look, my parents listened to the podcast. They were, they were like. I said they were nice. Maybe they, I said okay, okay, okay. it's a stereotypical Chicago basement. Fair enough. Fair enough. It was Shane, on the other hand, who was really just all over it. But anyway, back to the Bears uh, and what this podcast is supposed to be about, which it sometimes uh, isn't always about as we stray away and talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. But hey, that's what y'all are here for. Anyway, Shane brought this up last episode. He said, you know, the Bears aren't wearing a Super Bowl. What the hell are we talking about when we were talking about Justin Fields and, you know, the risk factor when you talk about throwing him out there? And it just kind of popped to my mind, yes, the idea that a rookie quarterback has never won the Super Bowl. This is a fact. This is true. It's never happened. A rookie quarterback has actually never made it to the Super Bowl either. And I thought that was interesting because you would have thought that after, you know, this many years of Super Bowls, it's now 55 years, at some point a rookie would have made it to the Super Bowl. Like you would have thought that would have happened at some point. Like all the number one overall picks there are, you know, all the, the Dak Prescotts of the world who take a very talented Cowboys team a few years ago. You would have, th- after all those years, I, I would have imagined it would have happened at some point. So I sat down and figured out why. Why has it never happened and how close has a rookie come? So I want to start with that. First of all, the, the, the person who came closest was probably Russell Wilson who it is worth noting is right now Justin Fields' biggest comparison when you look at, you know, pro-level comparison, right? I I think we've all kind of agreed that Russell Wilson, you know, is that kind of guy. So in 2012, he led a pair of playoff comebacks, brought the Seahawks back from down 14-0 against Washington, won that game in the first round, then went to Atlanta, had them up 28-27 with 31 seconds left, and then the Seahawks' defense crumbled. They ended up losing that game to Atlanta. Russell Wilson was the closest to do it. Matt Ryan also got kind of close in 2008. Was that the game that it was Matt Bryant kicking a field goal yes. and they iced him and Pete Carroll iced him and he missed it. And then after the ice, he made it. Is that that game? I think it is. I think it is. I think that's that game. So I don't know why I remember that, but that's like, that's one stupid coaching error. I mean, it really is not a dumb coaching error. Every you know coach is going to ice the kicker in the situation. It's unlucky. I guess you could say uh, from a rookie quarterback potentially going to Super Bowl with that team. And reminder, that defense, you know, was still pretty good, uh, but they weren't quite the Legion of Boom at that point. So 
you look at that and you wonder, you know, how close has quarterbacks come? There's an example, Matt Ryan, 2008, also came pretty close, ended up losing to Arizona. Um, and there's been a few other quarterbacks who have also, you know, won games in the playoffs, just haven't gotten to the Super Bowl. But I, I wanted to figure out why why this hasn't happened, right? Because I like I, it still doesn't make sense. You have extremely talented quarterbacks who come in as rookies, like the Justin Herberts of the world who come in and are extremely effective. Why aren't they winning in the playoffs? So Bill Barnwell of ESPN wrote this article, uh, kind of breaking it down. And the indicator for whether a rookie quarterback will be successful in the playoffs comes through giveaways, okay? So the rookie's average yard per attempt declines by 21% in the playoffs, and their interception rate increases to 40.2% in the playoffs. Now, this article was written in 2017. The reason they wrote this article is because this was when Dak Prescott was on the Cowboys as a rookie, and they made the playoffs, and everyone thought uh, that that Cowboys team had a chance to do it, and Dak Prescott was potentially going to be the first quarterback to do it. So – it's worth noting that every player at every experience level uh, through the research of, the art of this article sees a negative differential in average yards per attempt in the playoffs, but also sees a higher interception rate. So no matter whether you're the best quarterback of all time, has been playing for 15 years or you're a rookie, it, it becomes more increasingly difficult to have success in the playoffs. We know this. OK, but. What kind of stood out to me is, well, now let's take this to the Bears and now let's relate to the Bears and, and do this comparison here. So giveaways turnovers right that that's kind of what we've established is sort of this reason you circle the reason as to why rookie quarterbacks are struggling when they get to playoffs. now the reason behind that is i don't know you know you it's, it's the pressure of a rookie they know how to handle the situation uh you know they get a little bit scared they get nervous they don't want to throw the ball as much that's why their average yards per attempt goes down they get conservative all these things are true but talk about justin fields here let, 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 let's note about justin fields in college had a 67 to 9 t to interception ratio okay so we know that number was phenomenal. And if you take away the Northwestern and Indiana games, it's, you know, 67 to four, I think, if you take away those sure. two outliers that really kind of extrapolated there. So the other interesting thing as well, you know, you're talking about a quarterback here. This is not Mitch Trubisky. Who, this is not any quarterback who just, you know, played their collegiate seasons, never made it to the playoffs. Justin Fields made it to the college football playoff in 2022, played two games. So why don't we look at those two games and see if his interception rate – and average yards per attempt rate is similar from his regular season to playoffs uh, collegiately to what rookies in the NFL have been experiencing from their regular season to the playoffs. So I thought that was worth noting. So you look, Fields' yards per attempt in playoff games went up from 9.3 in the regular season to 9.6, and his interception percentage went down, not up in the playoffs as well. He additionally ran for the highest rushing yards per game of the 2020 season during those two playoff games. So if Fields' collegiate career is indicative of what he could do in the NFL when the playoffs come around, then, you know, anything's possible. I'm just, the reason why I want to bring up this research, I know this is a lot of numbers here and I'm throwing a lot here at the listeners and whatever, but there's people who want to, people are going to get in their heads throughout this season, throughout the entirety of 2021 about, well, if we put Justin Fields out there, does that mean we have to scratch off Super Bowl just because of the history of rookie quarterbacks in, in the playoffs? You know, there's people who are going to do that. There's people who are going to use that logic to do that because of the history and because of the evidence we have. But I'm not sitting here saying Justin Fields is going to win the Super Bowl. I'm sitting here saying these are the reasons why it hasn't happened. Could Justin Fields be different from the tendencies we have seen, you know, for for history? So with that information, what do you kind of make of that? So there's a couple things I want to address from everything that you like like you said you threw a lot of information out there at once mm-hmm. so i kind of want to take a couple points my first point you asked the question how has this never happened before with all the number one picks and all the deck prescotts i mean really the most successful mid-round guys are dak russell wilson and kirk cousins it's probably the next on that list there's some others, so i mean yeah those are the top i mean probably. so you know kirk cousins didn't play until what, other than tom two, Brady. three years later fair yes yeah. But, you know, Cousins didn't play for a couple of years. Wilson, you know, almost did it. And then Dak Prescott crumbled. But also, you know, he was still he wasn't the Dak Prescott that we saw last year before he was hurt at that moment. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, number one picks, number two picks, like, you're not expecting Trevor Lawrence to go out there with that Jaguars roster out True. as it's created now, constructed now and win a Super Bowl. So there's stuff like that um, to consider as well. Um, the second thing. I wanted to ask you was, you know, you bring up Justin Fields touchdown interception ratio. And like, did you happen to compare that to a Dak Prescott or to a Russell Wilson in college? 
just comparatively? No, I, no, no, to their college numbers, no. I, yeah, I didn't right. compare that. But Justin Fields at the at, had one of the best before, before. He takes care of the ball. Yeah, he takes care of the ball. One of the best TD interception ratios in collegiate history before the Indiana game. He was fixed. He was fifty-six to three before they played Indiana. Oh, that's crazy, yeah. Uh, when he threw three picks, and that was one of the best of all time. So that's the that's the best kind of comparison I can give as far as like a perspective on how good that ratio is. Yeah, uh, and then the third thing that I wanted to bring up was like with Justin Fields. Obviously, yes, great college quarterback, awesome. Um, but you know, college is not. The NFL, especially with defenses, reading a college defense and exposing college defense is much different than it is in the NFL. That's why you get the Sam Darnolds. That's why you get guys who flame out. And, and, you know, the the Sam Darnold does an unnecessary shot, but he's the only the Baker Mayfields, guys who have not Mm -hmm. lived up to their billing or, you know, have marginal success, but not as much as you would expect out of someone of their pedigree. So even though you have this great college player and I do think Justin Fields will eventually be a great NFL quarterback as well. You know, when you're comparing what a quarterback can do at the college level and then what ends up happening at the NFL, it's different. And obviously yes. you know, guys go to college, the college level first for a reason, you know, um, because it is a good measuring stick, but it is not, it's not the end all be all is the only thing, but I mean, it, it's certainly there. Like the bears are in a unique situation where, they were a playoff team. They were able to trade up and they had someone fall who was, you know, a year ago, a consensus top five pick. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's a it's an interesting spot for them to be in because you do have what's arguably a championship defense. You have some questions on the offensive line and with the coaching. Sure, those things can be ironed out. But the thing is, I wouldn't rule out a, a deck Prescott rookie year. Uh, situation because Romo started that year correct and then he got hurt if I'm not mistaken I think so if um, I'm not mistaken Dak Prescott's rookie year Tony Romo started and that's when he got his final injury that led to his retirement if I, if I'm not mistaken I think that's what happened I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up but but anyway regardless my point being like let's say you have Andy Dalton out there week one which I still think is going to happen um And, you know, the offensive line hasn't gelled completely or maybe, you know, Tevin Jenkins gets exposed against Leonard Floyd, maybe. Or or maybe it's in week three against Cleveland and it's Javon Clowney and Miles Garrett. And you have Justin Fields come in. And I do think Justin Fields is probably more talented, more more than likely with I could say with 95 percent certainty that Justin Fields is more talented as a rookie than Dak Prescott was as a rookie. Mm hmm. So maybe you are in a better position, but it's a lot of what ifs is the thing. And we kind of touched on this with Shane last week. There's a lot of what ifs. There's a lot of uh, stipulations and semantics that you have to kind of consider. But no, I mean, you you make good points as far as and, and the thing is all record, so to speak. Quote, I wouldn't call this a record, but there has to be a first for everything. You know, like eventually it yes. will happen. Like eventually it will happen. I don't know if it's going to be this year, but eventually, theoretically, it will happen. So let's go back to the Dak Prescott scenario. He did start his rookie year all 16 games. So it wasn't because of a Roma injury. 2016, I'm looking at pro football reference, started 16 really? games, played 16 games. Yeah, QB record was 13-3. Huh. They were uh they were the number one team in the NFC that year. Hmm. And that's why everyone that's why the article was written. This article I'm referencing, that's why it was written because that team was 13 and 3. Dak Prescott was playing well. And when you're the first, I think they're either first or second seed in the NFC, you're expected to make a Super Bowl run. So that's why the article was written. But let, let, like, let's just use this for comparison right now because this is kind of the prime example we have of what could happen to the Bears if sure. Justin Fields plays well and, and whatnot, okay? Let's look at Dak Prescott's number that year. So, yes, he went 13-3, his numbers. Went 13-3, completion percentage 67.8, nothing too special. That's a good completion percentage, but nothing yeah. outrageous. It's, it's good. It doesn't blow your mind. Yes. 3,667 yards, nothing outrageous. Herbert threw for like 4,300 last year, rookie of the year. 23 touchdowns, nothing outrageous. I think th- I think Mitch threw for more than that last year. Um, interceptions four, which is phenomenal. That's where that's you're going to look at his yeah. numbers and say that's that's the best. Uh, rating 104.9, which is also pretty damn good. Uh, and then rushing yards, I don't, I, I don't, his rushing yards aren't on here. But you look at those numbers. Now, what's the one thing that stands out? I, like nothing is impressive aside from the interceptions. So this relates to what I what I also said in the beginning was why are rookie quarterbacks not having success in the playoffs is because of an increased interception rate in the playoffs. 
I don't know. I had to go back and look at the playoff game. I wonder if Dak Prescott threw a lot of interceptions in those playoff games in 2016, but he protected the ball really well his rookie season, which I think contributed to team success. And I, I also was looking up, you know, people, we've talked about this before a lot on this show, Jake, how important turnover margin is, how important not giving the ball away is, but also how important it is to take away the ball of every, every single team in the top 10 of turnover margin last year had a winning record and nine of them made the playoffs aside from Miami being the one team that didn't. So that's, again, when you look at Justin Fields' history of protecting the football coming in, that's something that is going to contribute to the success of the team. It's just the que- the difference comes, is it sustainable in the playoffs? That's what's never happened. You know, we've seen rookie quarterbacks have success protecting the ball in the regular season. Rookie quarterbacks have not been successful sustaining that, sustaining that interception rate. That is where you are going to see. If you ever do see, if Jake says it's going to happen, it's going to happen sometime. If it's this year. If it's the Chicago Bears of 2021, they win the Super Bowl with a rookie quarterback, Justin Fields' interception rate has to be either the same or lower as what it was in the regular season. That is the key. That is the key number. So people who are monitoring this and are are thinking about this now because we presented it to them, because I know people are, Jake. Like, I I know this is is something that was on my mind. Look, people are going to say – And if you're looking it up, and granted you have a show and you're more inclined to look Mm -hmm. that stuff, you're you're definitely not the only person looking into that. No, absolutely not. But So here's here's my thing. Yeah. To the whole – because clearly we're falling down a deck. Prescott rabbit hole here. And again, they are similar situations where there's a team around the quarterback and there is a talented quarterback and, and Dak Prescott fell. Wasn't he like projected to be a second round pick or something or early third round pick. And he fell to the fourth or whatever it was like, yeah, he was fourth. Yeah. And and the thing is like, so here's my thing with why Dak Prescott was able to have the success that he was able to have. Look at the talent around him and look at specifically at that offensive line. That offensive line that year had three first-team All-Pros. Three of them. That's crazy, including the left tackle. So now comparatively, with the Bears, you have a rookie left tackle who has never played – who has played very, very minimal snaps at that position. They had a first-team All-Pro center. You have a center this year for the Bears going into his first full season as a center. And you had a first-team All-Pro right guard. So – that's three offensive linemen out of five that were first team all pros. Like that's nothing to sneeze at. And you also had Ezekiel Elliott, who was also a first team all pro that year. Not to say mm-hmm. that David Montgomery isn't very good. I think he's very good. I think he's a pro bowl caliber running back. I, do, I don't think he's first team all pro though. I don't think he's no. Ezekiel Elliott at five, from five years ago is the thing. So it was Dak Prescott pedestrian, let's say, or a middle of the road that yep. year as outside of his, ball handling skills and taking care of the ball. Yes. Was he able to do that because of a very, 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 very good offensive line, probably the best in the league and a very, 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 very good running back. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's something to consider. And that's why a lot of people, myself included, are, are saying caution with Justin Fields, at least for a couple weeks, because you have so many unknowns on this offensive line. Dallas Cowboys had three all first team all pros that year with the bears. You have three very big question marks alone on your offensive line. Tevin Jenkins being one of them, Sam Mustafer being the other one and James Daniels coming back from an injury being the third. Like those are three very big question marks that you have to figure out. And, and granted Mustafer, you probably, you have a little more faith in because he had what eight weeks last, uh, last half of the season or so last year yeah. and showed you yeah. a lot, but with Jenkins and Daniels alone, yeah, Daniels was good pre-injury, but is he going to be that same guy? Is he back to full strength? And Jenkins, we know nothing about. Right. This is true. This is a you. You make really good points there, um, because that Cowboys offensive line was ridiculous, and that's that's important to remember. That that's going to be, uh, you know, th- well, those are the kind of things that also lead to a lower interception rate and a lower turnover rate. Is you know, if, if you're getting you no all pressure the time on in the world back there, yeah, yeah, all the time in the world, he has to rush he throws. He's gonna snap back there for the entire quarter. Right. Right. So you know, and, and the team that the. Cowboys lost to that year was the Packers. Actually, that was the game where uh, Rogers threw that ridiculous pass to the sideline to Mercedes Lewis um, or whoever it was. And, and he like toe dragged for that, uh, set up that ridiculous oh, yeah. field goal. Um, so, you know, and, and I, I don't know, like the, we, I, I 
I might be stretching it. I don't know. I this is just worth bringing up though. It, but Jake brings up great points, so you have to look at it both sides. Like I, I I'm gonna say it's possible. Like I, it's oh, every no, it's year possible, it's possible. Sure. Every year it's possible. Um, but there's a lot of factors that go into it, and we've identified now what needs to happen. You need to have stable offensive line. You need to not turn the ball over, uh, and you need to be consistent going into the playoffs and not be afraid of the moment. And that's the other thing too is like. Dak Prescott, I don't think, is a guy who's afraid of the moment. Russell Wilson didn't seem like that kind of guy. But, you know, there are rookies. There are lots of players who aren't ready for that moment because simply they've never been there. Like, like honestly, like sure. there is truth to the fact that Justin Fields, having played in a national championship game, uh, although that game when I was – it was, uh, you know, I think that game was like 25% capacity and the game in New Orleans was also like 20% capacity. Like it wasn't full stadium, full environment mm-hmm. atmosphere. Um, but you know, he's played in the biggest games against Michigan. He's played in big 10 championships, like the same type of deal. Not every player gets those experiences and knows how to handle them and not only handles them, but conquers them. Like he has conquered those experiences in the past. He hasn't crumbled under pressure. Those are important things to remember when you start to talk about this. Um, but again, this is playoffs. We can have this conversation again come January if they make right. it there. But there's, I, it's just again, like I'll reiterate this. There is, there's a lot of people, and myself included. Like I do want to bring this up because I feel like an idiot now. But back in, uh, like I think March when we were talking about the quarterback op- options for the Bears, I was like, let's just go get a free agent. Let's just go get you know somebody else because a rookie quarterback's not going to win us the Super Bowl. Like that was my ideology. It was like if we get a rookie quarterback, we have written ourselves off for a Super Bowl. And that's why I want to do this research because I wonder if that logic is really true. And, you know, that logic is true by history, but we now know why that is the case. So just some interesting stuff, man. That's it. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I mean, I still believe that Justin Fields is going to be on the bench week one and it's just going to be very touch and go. And we're not going to see him until later in the season. So I I don't know. But granted, I don't think Andy Dalton's winning you a Super Bowl either. So, I mean, see, that's like, yeah. Like, who gives you the better option? Like, who gives you the better chance? You know what well, I mean? Well, granted, I mean, Andy Dalton was concussed last year. He was hurt a lot last year. Right. It, he was messed the, up. The Cowboys offensive line is not what it was five years ago. So, Mm-mm. he was getting beat up. So, maybe the offensive line coalesces immediately and maybe they keep him upright <laughs> and he turns back the clock. I'm not saying he's going to turn it back five, six years, but two, three, maybe, you know, and it like maybe Andy Dalton gives you a little juice or something. I don't know, but I don't think he's winning you a Super Bowl. I think he gets you to playoffs, but yeah. I don't think he's winning. Like at the end of the day, he's not getting you to the finish line. Right. No, he's, he's absolutely not. And you know, it, it, that's where it's also like, okay, if you know, he's not winning you a Super Bowl, or if you think that way, then, you know, why not have fields get in there and get acclimated to avoid, you know, right. any sort of, uh, you know, drop off occurring in the playoffs rather than occurring during the season. It's extremely hard for any player in any sport to be consistent throughout a 17 game season. You know, the lo- you have an extra game now, it becomes even harder to be consistent because you throw an extra game in there. So, I you right. consistency in baseball is one of the hardest things to do in sports because there's 162 games. Luckily, there's 17 games in the NFL when you have a smaller size of games, it's easy to be consistent, but still, it's extremely hard. And as a rookie quarterback, you're going to have a drop off point, it, it's going to happen. You may have a lot of success to, success to begin, you may drop off in the middle, and you may return to that success. You may have a you know lower success in the beginning of the season and then increase success later. You know, I don't want to have to get into a situation where if Fields comes in week eight, uh, if that's the scenario, plays really well for the nine games, the rest, rest of the nine games season plays really well. Come the playoffs, you know, boom, he hits that drop off point that typically happens for rookies. You don't want to hit that at the wrong time. So that's where right. that that goes back into my argument of Fields starting week one is like, you know, get him acclimated, get him ready to go. Um, let him, you know take take the hits or not take the hits but kind of just take the heat of being a starting quarterback for the first you know few weeks and if he struggles get it out of this system get it out of the way uh that way he can be as prepared as he can for the playoffs if they get there and the, the thing too jake is like there's to be a lot of people here who are talking like why are we talking about the playoffs because there's a lot of fans and a lot of people you know if there are people who listen to our show aren't bears fans who really don't think the bears have any chance to make the playoffs who really you know think that this is not a likely scenario given what they have but i i'm sorry i like people are going to say this is the bias in me and you can think that all you want but the team has the talent on paper and you look at what they were able to do last year and the year prior with what types of pieces they had the quarterback position the kind of inconsistencies they had the defensive position at, at, at all the defensive positions uh and really with the defense as a scheme as a whole like I have every reason to believe that this should 
S-H-U-O-L-D, I'm not going to say will, but should be a playoff team, right? Like, that's why I'm using this rhetoric because they should be a playoff team with the pieces that they have and with the expectations that we have that the Sean Desai defense is going to come back. The offense has a number of good pieces and that Matt Nagy, you know, calls the right plays. But do you agree with that at least? Like, you know, if things go right, like this is a team that should win the NFC North of Aaron Rodgers is in angry Bay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Lions aren't going to be anything. The Vikings, you've you've constantly beat up on. And if Aaron Rodgers isn't there, yeah, the Packers are a very, uh, yeah. I mean, they're they're a worse <laughs> team. <laughs> like they're uh, they're, yeah. very, they're they're probably not good. And so, yeah. I mean, uh, of course, it's fair to say they should be a playoff team. It's just, I mean, your point about you know the trials and tribulations, the ups and downs of being a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's a huge thing. Justin Fields goes out there. Let's say he starts Week One. Ter- goes four and one or five and one, whatever uh, some, you know, does really well. Yeah. And then, you know, there's going to be that dip. Like you said, they're going to hit the wall. Defenses will adjust. Now can he make that adjustment? That's something you'll have to learn on the fly and maybe you suffer a little bit. And yeah, I mean, all Vail points it, but I do think, yeah, I mean, this team theoretically should be a playoff team once again. Um, but that depends on a lot of things. That depends on, like I said, the offensive line, depending on the quarterback play behind the offensive line, can the running game be as good as it was last year with David Montgomery? Is he still going to be the same player at the end of last year? Tariq Cohen, how does he look? You know, are Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney going to take the leap that we think they're going to in year two? Or is Allen Robinson going to be the sole <laughs> contributor? The defense, is Robert Quinn going to show a lot of signs of life? What's the corner position looking like? What's the safety position looking like? Is Eddie Jackson going to look like his old self? So, I, I mean, it's June 30th. It's so hard to say, like, or make predictions of where we're going to be because we haven't even seen these guys go against each other yet. So right. it's like, it's that, and that's what makes this part of the offseason so difficult because <laughs> we want to break it down and we want to talk about where the team's at and what we're expecting. But it's so hard because we're not going to see them on a field doing tr- team drills in pads for another three weeks at least. Right. And that's what makes this so, you know, it's just like, are we just blowing smoke? Like, yeah, maybe, but like we kind of have to because we have nothing else to talk about. So here we are. Um, but, you know, it, I want to talk about the running game, though. And let's get into uh, we have some rankings here that, you know, CBS put out some rankings. PFF puts out, put out some rankings of position groups. Um, and we kind of want to just go over them because there are some players that we thought would be on there that aren't. And there are some players who I think are ranked correctly in certain areas. But I want to start with the running game. Uh, Jarrell, if you have it. We have some PDFs of the CBS rankings of um, running backs and the top 10 running backs in the league, according to CBS. Um, now, CBS is always controversial with their rankings. They always do something crazy. People because the thing is, you know, no press is bad press uh, or no. What, what's the what's the. Um, yeah, no press is bad. Is that what it is? It's all like press because is good press. all. Yeah, basically, essentially. Yes, all press is good press. You know, people are going to come in the comms hating on them. But yeah, that gets them more likes. It gets them more in- interaction. It gets them more engagement. That's just, you know, the way it is. Why do you think first take is the way it is? Why do you think, you know, Skip A.S. is the way he is? Yeah, that's all <laughs> that. But um, Dave Montgomery was not in the top 10 of those rankings. Uh, he was not in the top 10. He was not present. There was a lot of people who were kind of surprised by that because of you know, the way he ran at the end of 2020, of 2020, um, you know, third, I think like something around third, most rushing yards, those final six games ended up ninth in the league and rushing eighth overall. If you, uh, among running backs, cause Lamar Jackson was, I think sixth or fifth in rushing. But the reason, the reason, like, I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure. Jake, uh, his rushing total goes up as high. Like I think he could be a top 10 rusher, but I also do think, we aren't like we've talked about this before, but people aren't talking enough about the impact of Tariq Cohen on Dave Montgomery's rushing rush uh, rush shares in the past, like and, and what that was doing for him. Like we're we're talking about history here. Like we're not projecting anything. We're talking about you know the shares of rushes for each player when Tariq Cohen was an available player before he got injured was uh, it was a lot lower for Dave Montgomery. He wasn't the guy. He was not. He was right. not the, the sole guy. He was not the ground and pound, you know, workhorse running back at the time. He wasn't. And that's the way Matt Nagy wanted to run the offense. Maybe they returned that. Maybe he doesn't go over 1,500 yards or 1,400 yards, but it's not a problem if Tariq Cohen gets 700 and Dave William gets 500. 
Yeah, so the thing with Tariq Cohen, I, I think, is he's going to be used more alongside David Montgomery, if I had to guess this year, as far as either being put in the slot or put out wide, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. They're not going to put him back there to run as much this year. Um, and the thing is, at the time, like David Montgomery's rookie season didn't really know what you had. Like, you expected to be this tough runner who could, you know, be a bell cow, but also, like, you know, what, and you had some offensive line issues, and you might have those again this year. I mean, we've talked about it at length. But, um, you know, I, I think you're right. Like, you're not going to get that same rushing total out of him. And I think not because of Tariq Cohn, but I think because Damian Williams. Damian Williams was a, a contributor, a big contributor to a Super Bowl team, a guy who has a lot of talent and who just, you know, he sat out last year. That's really why he was on the market. And so I think that more than anything is going to be the reason David Montgomery, I still think they're going to lean on him very heavily. I still think Dave Montgomery is going to be the guy and they're going to make sure they use him a lot. But I think Damian Williams is going to cut into that production more than anything. I'm, I'm trying to find, yeah, no, I think you're right. Because the like right now the world is sleeping on Damian Williams. They, they, they really are. You know, he was at the height when after the Super Bowl when he went crazy. Um, should have won Super Bowl. I, I want to say should have. Could have won Super Bowl MVP. It was mm-hmm. up there with a lot of people. Mahomes, so, a lot of people ran. would say should have, though. Yeah, a lot of people will say should have. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about Dane Williams and what he could do with that team going forward. He gets injured. No, no one's talking about him. people are thinking, oh, he's going to come in. He's going to rush, you know, three times a game, maybe get 30 yards. And yeah, he's a cool piece that you can kind of toy with. Right. Like, I don't like that's where this is kind of it's unpredictable in a good way. What you get out of this offense, because right. you like there's there's there should be no fan who's upset. That Dave Montgomery isn't ranked the top ten running back because he's not getting enough rush yards because Damian Williams is taking them away from him. Like I, as much as I would love for Dave Montgomery to be ranked up there and all of that and all the great you know things that would come from that, if Damian Williams is being productive and getting you seven hundred yards this season, six hundred probably seven hundred all purpose, maybe five hundred rushing, like you are winning. You are you you are going to be winning football games if you're getting well, that type it, of production. This isn't- and this isn't going to be a situation where it's, you know, quarter L Patterson out there taking eight exactly. or nine handoffs a game. Exactly. A guy who, <laughs> who is probably his longest run of the year was he had a couple d- double digit runs. I mean, for the most part, when he ran out there, you knew you were only getting one or two yards. And he, on times when you were going, had him out there on third down, you knew you were getting nothing and you were getting stuffed. Like that's so much different. You know, Damian Williams is going to be getting those carries now. And instead of Ryan Nall and Cordero Patterson and Artavis Pierce, like you have an actual starting caliber NFL running back, a guy who, who basically won the Super Bowl for the Kansas city chiefs. Again, like Kevin said, could have, should have won the Super Bowl MVP. And so that changes the dynamic. And even Tariq Cohen, we know is capable of getting those tough yards too. I don't think you're going to see him in that capacity a lot, but we know he's capable of it. And you don't kind of put, you don't have to cover your eyes when there's someone other than David Montgomery out there running the ball. So I think another thing that I want to, we should consider for David Montgomery's rushing total is he's not going to have that many 50 plus yard runs this year. It's, (laughs) it's just not going to happen. It, It seemed like he was doing it one or two a game and that's just not going to happen this year. Like it was awesome and it was cool and it was great to watch, but he's not going to have six, seven, eight of them. You know, he's not going to have one every game. So it, 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 that'll also cut into it as well. That'll, that'll be part of it because then you get the rotation of Damian Williams and Tariq Cohen and more, you know, as you're doing more, as you're having more plays, you're not having these large chunk plays. Right. Well, it is worth noting, too, that one thing that people are talking about with Dave Montgomery this offseason is increase his speed. And that's really, really important because I was very critical of Dave Montgomery early on in his career. Uh, you know, I said multiple times in the show, I don't think he's a workhorse back. I don't think he's a number one. I don't think he's going to be a true you know, number one for this team. And the reason I thought that is because I didn't think he had the true speed um, to be a number one at the at, at this level at the time. But that obviously changed his speed, actually increased uh, at the end of the season. Then this offseason, he's been working on speed with his footwork doctor. Uh, if that if that is the case, then he's going to start breaking off more, you know, not, you know, we're talking not 80 yard runs, but like he's going to turn those 12 yard runs into 20 yard runs. Cause he's going to gain that separation. Sure. Uh, and, and you saw a number of times where, man, you know, a little bit more quickness, he's, he's getting, you know, five or six more yards there on each run. So that's worth noting, but it's like, I'm, I'm looking at the running back room and I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited, but like, I'm thinking about, the Indianapolis Colts, if that's a good example. If you think about Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, and then uh, the other guy they had. I'm blanking on his name. But that is a team when you, you look Mack. at it. 
Marlon Mack, a comparison for having three very talented running backs who do different things and utilizing them all extremely mm-hmm. well. Um, you know, that was a team where Jonathan Taylor was the workhorse back, you know, had, I think, the third, fourth most rushing yards in the league last year. Naeem Hines was an absolute beast out of the backfield as a, as a pass catcher, but also ran the ball well. He's your Turi Cohen. And then Marlon Mack is, is basically um, – is basically Damian Williams where he can do it at any time either. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, the whether he's going to get the carries. And the other thing to remember, too, is I hate to bring it up. Or, I mean, it's, it's part of the game. It's injuries. Like, a, a guy yeah. will go – a guy will go, a guy may go down. A guy – Dave Montgomery may go down. If that happens, you know, Damian Williams and Tariq Cohen are right there to pick it up. And here's one more thing as we're talking about this that I wanted to bring up a few weeks ago. I didn't bring it up. How important – maybe I did bring it up. How important depth is for mm-hmm. – Teams, obviously, like we know this, but the comparison I'm going to make is the NBA. Everyone's watching the NBA playoffs and the team, everybody's getting injured in the NBA. But the Mm -hmm. team I wanted to point out the most uh, was Brooklyn because that was a team that was top heavy and Mm -hmm. they didn't have a lot of depth and they relied on three starters who were going to carry their team to the finals. And yes, if those three starters were healthy, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, they would have won the finals, I think, easily, honestly. I think they would have, I think, would have cruised to the finals and won it against whatever team comes out of the West. Two of those guys go down. And their team pretty much goes to shambles. KD has to carry every night. Why? Because they allocated all their resources to those top three players and worried nothing about their depth. Now, you look at the offense. And on the offense, I'm like, okay, the depth is good. Like, if Adarno Mooney goes down or something, you know, you have guys who can, you know, fill in those holes. Sort of. Sort of. Like, you have more depth. <laughs> Wide receiver but, isn't the example I would have. That's, that's right, where I would have went with that. But but still, like, you look at Demir Bird, Marquise Goodwin, Anthony Miller, Riley Ridley, if he's still a potential guy. Like, there's players there. There's you players lost there. Me, you lost me on the last two there. <laughs> and, even, and even, I mean, D- Demir Bird and, Bird's and Marquise Goodwin, player, like, I, I think they're solid. But also, it's been a couple of years since their last season sure. of success. I just I just wouldn't have used wide receiver as the prime example for depth is all. That's, so I want to just – let's use running back then. You know, running back is probably – I, I would I say that's, that's the, best the best position best, yeah. of depth on the whole team because we're not even talking about our guy Artavis Pierce. Uh, Ryan Null is still there, I guess, whatever. Um, but the reason I want to bring this up is because I kind of look at the defensive side of the ball and I get worried that yeah. we're top-heavy on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And the way I look at that is with basically two position groups. Edge and linebacker. If Roquan sure. Smith goes down, you're fucked. Honestly, if Dan Trevathan goes down, you're you're probably uh, just as I, sort I of. think I think Christian Jones could fill in for Danny Trevathan. Or or our guy Josh Woods. We have or to see if Josh, Josh Woods. Woods takes that development uh to the next level this year. He's been working hard. But then you look at Edge. If Khalil Mack goes down, yeah, you know that's a big one. We we've corner. seen it. We've seen it. Corner. Corner. We've seen it. Like that's what worries me. And, and, and then this was a conversation for another time too, but uh, like who else can we get in free agency now? Who else, you know, is there? Like I would go after a cornerback. I would go after, you know, though uh, don't go after a superstar, just go after a superstar, go after depth because, you know, injuries happen. And every year we react to the team as if an injury is never going to happen. I make right. my projections on the team as if an injury is never going to happen. They're the most healthy team in the league. Great. Right. It, it never happens. You're never going to get that lucky. A guy is going to go down, but the Nick Kutasis of the world, the Kevin Pierre-Louis of the world, yeah. all those people like are there to pick the team up. So, um, you know, don't be top-heavy, find depth. Running back is one of those positions with a whole lot of depth. No, I mean, you're absolutely right that that's where that depth is. But, I mean, there's issues throughout the roster that need to be addressed. I mean, I wouldn't call them issues, but concerns, I guess, is what I would call them instead mm-hmm. of issues. But, um no, I, I mean, it, it's fair to assume, and especially with the Dave Montgomery thing about, you know, adding more speed and, you know, great dandy. It's also like, it's kind of circling back to my original point. Like, we're not going to know until we see these guys on the field when training camp opens. You right. know, like, like for now, right. we're speculating and we're doing, we're playing this, that, the other, you know, we could see this, we could see that, blah, 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 blah. But, um, uh, one thing that I do want to circle back to that you mentioned was you, mm-hmm. you mentioned the Colts and their kind of three-headed monster running backs. They're, they're stable, if you will. The Colts did that <laughs> with, albeit a great offensive line. They did it with yeah. the ghost of Phillip Rivers, though, too. Like, there was no passing threat there whatsoever. Yes. It was kind of like the Bears, what the Bears were at the end of the season. Opponents knew that the Colts were going to try and run the ball. Yeah, could Phillip Rivers throw it a little bit? Sure, but not 
to the level of what the, the respect that he used to command, you know, five years ago or even two years ago. And so I think that is something and that'll, you know, be in uh, what's the word I'm looking for that. I mean, that'll be based on, and that's not the word I was looking for, but I'm going with it. Like who's starting at quarterback. If Justin Fields is there, then yeah, opponents are probably gonna have to respect the pass game a little bit more than if it were Andy Dalton. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that'll kind of hinge on who's there and you know, who's used when as well. That's uh, that's a really good point too. Um, and I was going to draw that comparison as well, because obviously, you know, when the bears played, the Colts and we were doing our prep for that game. We knew, okay, this is a team that's going to run all over you. Philip Rivers is going to do what he can with his quick release and whatnot, and and great. And you ended up losing that game, I think, by one score. You know, gritty game, defensive battle. Yeah. Um, you know, those sorts of things. But the problem is, like, I don't want. I also don't want this team. You know, in the past, there was conversation between us between a lot of people about should this become a ground and pound team? And this was before you had an extremely capable quarterback in Justin Fields, but there's still some people out there who say, you know, you know, if it is Andy Dalton, if it is Andy Dalton ground and pound, man, go, you know, this is run the ball 50, 60 times a game and you're going to win right. and you might win football games, but come playoff time, ground and pound. It, it's not a sustainable way of winning when you need it the most, because once you see the best defenses of the game, once they lock it down, once they figure you out, you're screwed. I mean, you're absolutely right. screwed. Look at what the Titans have done the past few years. This is a team that has relied solely on Derrick Henry to carry them to the championship. And the uh, moment he gets shut down, the uh, moment he gets shut down, they don't know what they don't know how to figure it out. Brian Tannehill has a capable passer, but their offense revolves around that style of football. So that's you know why did you? I would say I would, say, I would say I I mean. I would say it's centered around Derrick Henry. I wouldn't say it revolves. I mean, granted, when you have a superstar running back, obviously, like to the level of Derrick Henry, a guy who's going to run for 2,000 yards damn near. Like, you know, of course, obviously, you're going to have it centered around him. But I think Ryan Tannehill is a little bit better than we give him credit for. And especially when you had a guy like A.J. Brown, like a guy who just doesn't go down when he gets tackled, uh, you know, thinking of that Ravens game specifically. Um, But – I mean, yeah, the thing is, like, the Bears aren't – and this goes back to the offensive line. I mean, I, I mean, I'll keep hammering this point. When you – the Bears' offensive line isn't as good as the Titans or as the Colts where you can afford to run it 50 times because you just don't have the same talent that allows you to do that. Yeah. That's what so you I have Justin Fields for. So It all comes back to offensive line. But, yeah, like, that's that's why you have a guy like Justin Fields where you can do both. You know, you, you know, this doesn't have to be a team that runs the ball 60 times a game, but, you know, you have a guy who can also – Break out of the pocket. All those things are true. Um, Want to go wide receiver? Let's take a look at these wide receiver rankings. If we, I don't know if Jarrell's got these um, up. I can take a look at them. Uh, I can read them off too if I pull up my Google document. Um, okay. So this was also from CBS. Okay. Um, now, this, this one was a little bit more interesting to me because Allen Robinson was snubbed from this list. Number one is Devonta Adams. Number two, Tyreek Hill. Number three, Stephon Diggs. Four, DK Metcalf. Five, DeAndre Hopkins. Six, Calvin Ridley. Seven, AJ Brown. Eight, Justin Jefferson. Nine, Keenan Allen. And 10, Michael Thomas. Now, this, to me, you know, it, this it, this wasn't anything huge. This wasn't anything where I'm, you know, ranting on Twitter and, and all caps tweets saying, right. what the That's hell is this? List. Where is Allen Robinson? That's a fine list. But I think, I, and I'm not going to, I'm going to, Dissect this based on my projection for Allen Robinson in 2021. He will be a top five wide receiver. I, I I truly, 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 truly believe that. I mean, I I from a yardage standpoint for sure. I think 100 from a yardage standpoint because you look at two of the top guys in the past, AJ Brown and Julio Jones are now on the same team. Those guys don't have to share the amount of yards they get. But like we've talked about before, the the ca- capability of the quarterback throwing to him and what some of these speed guys can can do for spreading out that offense. What Marquise Gilwin sure. and Darnell Mooney's development can do. We already saw the, the impacts of that. Um, but where I want to see the increase, and the reason why I think Allen Robinson may be left off this list this year was his production in the red zone. His production went down the red zone this year, and it's not his fault. Dude tried to get open. I don't think they you ever designed there, a for him. I don't think, also weren't there that much. Yeah, exactly. They weren't there that much, and they weren't throwing him the ball when they got there. I mean, there was a number of times where I said, you got to the goal line, run a slant route to Allen Robinson, and it's a touchdown. Like, it's not that hard. They did it twice against the Cowboys on Thursday Night Football in 2019. It's not that hard. But his touchdown total is going to be what determines him as a top-10 quarterback, and he's got it up on the screen. It says the background. Uh, 
But what do you think? What do you think about that? Like, do you think I'm crazy there for wanting to say Allen Robinson should be top five? So here's wanting him to be. No, that's not crazy. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Devontae Adams hinges on Aaron Rodgers yeah. if he's going to be there or not. Um, DK Metcalf, I think, is probably going to be there. Who were two and three again? That was the five days in Tyreek Hill. Okay, they're they're not going anywhere. They're going to be up there. DK Metcalf's going to be there. Um, the only person I really like where I see wiggle room, I feel like, because Keenan Allen's going to stay there. I think Justin Jefferson being eight is a little high Wow, for me. Um, I mean, he's good. He's very, very good. I just uh, eight seems high. Um, and Calvin Ridley's going to fall. He's going to yeah. slip down just because not because he's bad, but because you're going to have Kyle Pitts there now as well. You're going to have uh, who's no their Julio. other receiver? No Julio, but uh, you have Calvin Ridley is just going to like there's going to be some shares. And also the Falcons, they're going to be a bad team. So I, I don't know if maybe garbage time will shoot him up there. You're hoping that <laughs> Allen Robinson is going to be on this list because of you know, actual production and, you know, because Calvin really could very well sneak into this list again because, and again, not because he's not talented, he doesn't deserve it, but because, you know, the Falcons might be behind so much and throwing so much behind in games that the stats might be there again. I don't know. That's just me. I, and also it's just Justin Jefferson. I think he's good. I think, I, I think he could perennially be top 10, but I think after a rookie year, putting about eight is a little, I don't want to say gratuitous, so, but it's a, eh. There's three reasons why he's at number eight and three reasons why Alan Robinson isn't there. And they're all, they all coincide. Number one is flashiness. Alan Robinson is not a flashy Fair. player. He, he, ah. you know, he's, mm. he's, he makes flashy plays at times, but he's not as flashy as a DK Metcalf, as okay. a Stephon Diggs, as a Justin Jefferson, who's Fair. doing the gritty. And, and so, and that relates to number two, the distance of your touchdowns. Like this is one thing yeah. that I think is actually really, really important when people evaluate wide receivers is explosive plays, big time plays. Allen Robinson's the king of 20 plus yard plays. He's I think number one in the NFL last year in 20 plus yard receptions, or that might be incorrect, but he has a lot of 20 plus yard uh, uh, receptions. He catches the ball there. a lot, but for most of it, it's just 20 plus. It's just 20 yards. Like it's just, here's 20 yards to the sideline. Boom. You're out. Who's here's 20 yards, bang, you know, down the middle of the fall to the ground. Right. Like those kind of things. Once you start to see the big 50 plus yard plays, people start to take note. People start to write down, okay, this guy isn't really one dimensional. I'm not saying he is, but there are people who may think that because, oh, well, he's limited to this sort of range. He doesn't have the speed or whatever to, to get away. But again, like the reason why that wasn't happening was he wasn't getting the opportunities to go deep. First of all, they weren't designing plays to go deep. That's number right. one because just or uh, Matt Nagy had no faith in either Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky to throw the ball deep. Right. Um, and for number two, it did, for good reason. And number two, when it did happen, it was not an accurate enough pass for him to catch right. it on the run to score a touchdown. So you are going to see an increase in that if even if Dalton is there because Dalton is actually one of the better deep ball throwers in the NFL from a percentage wise was. and. Was and we don't I know think if he actually still can. last year wasn't that bad, but Justin Fields was the best deep ball thrower in college football last year. One of actually the best in the past ten years. Uh, he's going to get those opportunities deep. You're going to see that thrust him in the top ten because of that, and, and, and that also coincides with touchdowns. You know why is AJ Brown there? Because he scores like forty yard yeah. touchdowns every week. Like so does <laughs> Calvin Ridley. Uh, Ridley well, DK Metcalf well, does that. Like AJ Brown too, but he gets those like grinded out gritty plays too. back to that Ravens game that I mentioned earlier with the Titans that the, you know, the play that won them the game was AJ Brown taking a pass and just refusing to go down for the last like two, three, four yards, whatever it was and getting into the end zone for the Titans. And so it's stuff like that. AJ Brown. I, I love him, but anyway, I digress. Yeah. He's a great player, but I, I, I mean, there's I, like there's no reason now why or Allen Robinson shouldn't be in the top ten. And, and that's the thing year. with wide receiver rankings too is they they're so dependent on quarterback play as well. Like every single one of these wide mm-hmm. receivers has an above average or are a good quarterback. Um, you know, Calvin Ridley. Like I said, I don't think the Falcons are going to be very good. I don't think that's all going to be Matt Ryan's fault though. So like, no. but I mean, like Devonte Adams, the MVP, DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson, former. Did Russell Wilson win an MVP? Yes. Ah, uh, no, he hasn't. He all no, gets stopped. But MVP contender. Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, offensive rookie of the year. A lot and a quarterback, a lot of people are expecting to be one of the best ones. So yeah, it's Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen, 
Yes. You see where I'm going with this. Patrick Mahomes, so, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, there's a direct correlation there, which, it, again, that'll depend on the Bears quarterback play. And if it is Justin Fields, when he hits that midseason slump or whatever and how he bounces back, so on and so forth. So, I mean, that's just one of those things. Um, one of the lists that I wanted to, because because there's two more that I want to get to first, uh, the one being this also from CBS, the top 25 under 25. And Roquan Smith slots in, and he's 24 years old. Roquan Smith slots in at 15. Only okay. defensive players he's behind are Minka Fitzpatrick of the Steelers, Fred Warner of the 49ers, Joey Bosa, Joey Bosa also of the 49ers. Uh, let's see here. Nick Bosa, Nick Did Bosa, you, oh, Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, sorry. Uh, Chase Young from Washington, and Jair Alexander oh. of the Packers. Alexander, I'll give him because corner is such a yeah, I'll give position, him and he, he was very he was the Packers' only good DB last year. It seemed like um, I'm okay with it. I I don't have a problem with those five guys being ahead of Roquan Smith. I have a problem with Fred Warner being ahead of Roquan Smith because statistically, Roquan Smith is a much better player than Fred Warner last year. Well, so uh, so here's well, so here's why I think Roquan probably fell though because he didn't finish the year and he yeah. missed games. So I, I would assume that is the knock on him mm. because it's also not, those aren't the only times he's been hurt. You know, he's missed large chunks of time in the past. So I would say that's probably the knock on him. If I had to guess, I don't know. I didn't write the list. I'm so. going to uh, say um, Roquan Smith is a dark horse for defensive player of the year this year. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, it. I don't, now, I don't think that, I don't think that's a dark horse or a cakey thing to say. I feel like, I mean, well, he, like, he, Damn, you led the league in tackles. Right. And it, the one thing, so there, there's going to be two things he's going to need to do to to win it. Number one, it's going to be sacks. He's going to need to get after mm-hmm. the quarterback. Uh, now, will Sean Desai send him? That's the question. He really didn't get sure. a lot of blitzing opportunities with Chuck Pagano. Number two, he's going to have to get takeaways. He's going to have to get interceptions. He's going to take a few to the house. He's going to have to force fumbles, those types of things. But he's capable of doing all those things. I mean, he was extremely right, – I don't we know saw how, that last year. Well, we saw it last year. We saw that in 2018 when he uh, – I don't know how many interceptions he had there. He had a lot, though. Um, but, like, this is a player who is he, – he's only getting better. And that that's what – that's – you know, you see players who are really successful year one, like Anthony Miller is the example. Really successful year one, they drop off and, you know, they don't develop. This is a player who year after year has gotten better. And in every aspect of the game, this could be the year that he kind of puts it all together – and we start to see, you know, the true kind of player he is. The other thing, too, you know, I don't know if people talk enough about the lack of development that occurred last year because of COVID and the the type of training that happened and the amount of limitations that Fair. they face from a practice standpoint and what that did to certain players' development. I don't know if that's a real thing or not. It could be something worth bringing up when you look at the shortened training camp, you look at the kind of things that they were not able to do during practice and how that may have affected development. Maybe it's fake. Maybe it's not worth bringing up. But this is a player, you know, People said breakout player, breakout player, breakout player has to be somebody who's, you know, not very good. It's not going to be really good. Breakout player can be somebody who's good and becomes elite and or becomes like defensive player of the year elite. And I think Roquan Smith is in that round. And I don't know what his odds are on FanDuel for defensive player of the year. Probably pretty low, but I think you're getting some some good value there because he he, he has every tool, Jake, right? No, yeah, like, and like you said, he has the takeaways, he has the speed. Sacks, I think you'll see those because Desai seems to be, I mean, we keep hearing how he's the Vic Fangio, you know, tree and, and you know, one disciple. of the prized pupils of, yeah, disciple. And so, you know, we're supposedly going to see more of that from this uh, defense. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I think that, yeah, I think he for sure can be. You know, he already almost led the league in tackle. So I think you see more. And I think it's also uh, dependent on him getting some more support from the rest of the defense that, you know, more pressure from Cleo Mack and Robert Quinn, Eddie Jackson being better than he was last year and whoever emerges at the other corner spot opposite of Jalen Johnson. There is a lot that has to go into that. Like the, the rest of the defense has to help Roquan Smith look good. That is also that is very very true. That is very very true. Uh, he can't be asked to do too much defensively. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I mean like I like he is a top twenty five player in this league, under twenty five. Um, that is that it's without a doubt, and I don't have really a problem with him being there at fifteen. Honestly, so we're good with that one. But 
Um, so the other one I wanted to get to was the overall talent list that CBS did. Uh, the Bears come in at 23. And, and overall talent? Overall talent. So wow. they, they're wow. ahead of only. They're oh ahead of the, the Raiders, the Panthers, the Bengals, the Jaguars, the Eagles, the Falcons, the Jets, and the Lions, and the Texans, obviously. The three, and I'll give you the first three in front of the Bears. So the Bears yes, are at 23. Please. Coming at 22, the New York Giants. At 21, Stop the Los it. Angeles no, Chargers. Oh, and 20, joking. the Minnesota Vikings. Wait, you're joking, the Char- actually. The, the Chargers, I'll give them. The Chargers, that's No, fine. the Giants I'll is a joke. Them. The Giants is a joke. I mean, that's, so, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. So that oh was the one that – and the Vikings even. Like, I get you have Dalvin That's Cook, also a and joke. I get, and, I, and I get that. But for the most part, like, I don't know. I, I think the Vikings, that could have been arguable. But, um, yeah, I, I and here's what CBS, you know, the writer puts about the Giants. The jury is still out on Daniel Jones, but he is receiving some major help in the form of Kenny Galladay, John Ross, Kadarius Toney, and the return of Saquon Barkley. Unfortunately, he's going to have to work with an inconsistent offensive line. Let's hope Andrew Thomas morphs into the franchise left tackle. Giants defense finished 12 in the league last year. Da 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 da. Yeah, I mean, just the roster looks solid. Now they just need to put it all together. I. Uh... I, I think that the char- I think the Chargers should have been at twenty, and I think the Bears probably should have been at twenty one here. I, no, no, I, think, no, no, no. I, dude, I, 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 I put the Chargers ahead of the Bears. You, you I, I would not. I would not. I'm sorry. I would not. Now, okay, 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 okay. Maybe just because of the verdict on the quarterback position for them. Right. Maybe, maybe that. But. Like I'm not gonna sit here and break down every team above them and why they should be ahead of every team above them, but this is a team with, in my opinion, top 15 talent. Honestly, I I, I truly believe right. that. Well, I, to to the point, like I think the Bears are fine. Like I would be fine with them at 2021, just because the questions on the offensive line, the questions about the coach, the question about the corner. That is that coach. It's not talent. Fair. Okay. Fine. <laughs> um, okay. So offensive line, corner. Yeah. Safety, safety. I think we like. It's a big no, question mark right now. No, 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 no. no, no. I, until I How see Eddie Jackson question? play to the level we know he's capable of again, I'm not going to believe it. The man, the man wouldn't even tackle anybody last All year. Right. Fine, I'll give you that. Fine, but I, I, I think for uh, the most, I, I think the Bears should probably be a couple because this is right now what we know currently, what we, the knowledge we currently have. So not what they could be, not a projection, what we currently know about them. I think this is generally a fair spot. I'd put them ahead of the Vikings and the Giants, but other than that, like I, I yeah. think it's fair. I guess I I just see a team like that's actually like it's 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 pretty talented like across the board. Like you have talented players at every position, and obviously like this is a top five talented defense. If if Eddie Jackson, right. honestly, even if not, like this is a top five talented deep. Okay, maybe not top top seven. If until we find top, out, more just go with top ten. It's easier. Top ten, okay. But I want to give them more credit than that because they're really freaking good. But the offense, like, and and obviously people are going to point to the offensive side of the ball. I know we're running out of time here, but I'm sorry. Like we already talked about, like they have the, Cole Komet is a very solid player. Jimmy Graham, you don't want to give him credit for it. He's a solid player in the red zone. Damian Williams is a good player. Dave Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, Allen Robinson, Darnell Moody. You know, Anthony Miller if he somehow gets better. Like, there's talent across. Like. I don't know, man. I just, they're, look, they want to sleep on him. That's fine. And, you know, maybe that's the way they want it. Like, maybe that's the way, you know, we talked about this in the past, but underdog mentality might be the better mentality. I think this is a talented roster, but Jake's right when you say it's going to take time to figure that out. Because on right. paper, like, you see those pieces and you see what guys have been in the past and what they could be. Until we fully see that, I, I guess I'm fine with them being there. I just think right. that this could be a team with top 15, top 10 talent at the end of 2021 it's also last year like they didn't do anything with said talent so i mean right you backed into the playoffs but anyway this has been another edition of bears nation podcast thank you to everybody who tuned in thank you to everybody who will listen to this in the podcast form we will be back next week to continue breaking down more rankings more hypothetical future stuff and you know if any news comes out of course we'll be here to talk about that as well so Thank you guys as always. We appreciate all of you. We'll see you next week, 8 p.m. As always, bear down. Bear down.
Chicago. Chicago.